hello, hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Told, Dr. Kyle Dumpert. Dr. Walter Aka. And Dr. Sherwa Hassan. Yes. So so um, this is this has been a two years, two years in the making. I asked uh, Dr. Hassan to come on about two years ago because he was transitioning from being a general dentist to uh, going into uh, endo residency. Yeah. So I said, hey, you got to come and tell us, tell the, the listeners, like, what made you transition this way, right? Because for me, it was a lot of factors and mostly to deal with uh, corporate dentistry and me hating dentures. So that was an easy story for me, you know, but but like when he told me the whole story, it was it was very interesting. So I said, you got to come on, you know, but he wanted to kind of go through the whole experience so that he had a full story to tell. Yeah. You know, I'm so, excited so that's why- to hear this. The last time I talked to Sherwa, it was before he started endo residency and he reached out to me about possibly moving to Hawaii for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that ever happened, but I, I'm I'm very excited close. to hear. <laughs> so, so that's where we're at, right? There's a lot of different move. There's a lot of moving parts. So, so Dr. Hassan, please start from the beginning. Let us know what your your process was when you were a general dentist, and what made you transition to endo and endo residency and so forth. And we'll just ask questions as we go along. I got you. Before I talk about myself, first I got to give credit and props to what credit is due. Um, what you guys have done with this podcast and this plat- platform is phenomenal. Uh, I've been a secret admirer since day one. Uh, as a matter of fact, tooth be told was one of my jokes in dental school. Uh, <laughs> it, it was an oral surgery residency. I'm like, you know what? Tooth be told. And then I got some laughs and you know, it's, been, it's been good since then. So I, was, I, I wanted to let you know I never copyrighted it. You know what I'm Right, saying? right. Maybe you should have. I appreciate you. Sometimes you just got to give in life. You just got to give. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, um, so um, people don't know, Kyle and I were classmates. Yep. We were actual classmates. We were friends. We were buddies. And uh, this this clean cut uh, Bedford stud, he's a wild <laughs> boy, man. They don't know, but he's a wild boy. That's all I'm going to say. I am not going to air out some information. But just say, if you ever need backup, Cal's the man to, to actually reach out to. Him, okay? that's, that's another yeah. episode. I, I, absolutely. He knows what I'm talking about. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Walter is Walter is the guy. He's that guy. Walter oh, is the ridiculous. guy that in dental school, he was like the big bro. You know what I mean? Any questions that you had, um, like I came in as Walter left. Yeah. Right. So I came in as Walter left. He just finished his GPR. Even while he was in his GPR, he came back to the school and gave uh, like a, a, a whole class, a presentation about being in GPR. So he's always been that kind of guy that's always been willing to help out no matter what. And that's just from dental school. Right. After dental school, Walter was one of those, yeah, I'll probably say not the guy, one of the main influences I had. Uh, I would always call him up. Um, I would have a random surgery. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, something goes wrong. I go, oh, snap, I'll be right back. I see the <laughs> operatory. Yo, what? <laughs> give, give me some advice, man. What? She can't stop bleeding, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? so he's, been a, he's been an asset from day one in clinic, outside of clinic, so I appreciate you. And Not even me. in terms of um, me actually pursuing uh, my residency. So I, I before... I actually made this decision uh, to go back. Uh, I, I called Walt up and I, I he was amongst Walter and my man, uh, Gary Dennis. Shout out Gary Dennis, yes. uh, the OG from Houston. 
yeah. uh, Houston's finest. Um, I think he's also <laughs> from DC, like you, right? Yeah. Yep. No, he's from DC. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So that, yeah, you you two guys have been instrumental um, in in my transition into specialty, and that was that was. I just have to get that off my chest. Thank you. I appreciate you, Gary. Oh, if you're listening, I appreciate you too, brother. That being said, when I was in dental school, um, I, uh, I I had an inclination for endo. So my, during my third year, uh, I spent a lot of time in the endo clinic, and in the fourth year, I spent a lot of time in my endo clinic, and um, I started getting a senioritis a little bit, and um, spoke with the director and some of the faculty members, and they said, "Listen, um, uh, getting experience um, before you go into endo is very, very um, helpful." And uh, I, uh, I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let me get a year or two underneath my belt, and then come come back and apply again, right? So that was that was my um, that was my plan, right? Mm-hmm. Plans, of course, you have plans and uh, plans change. So I, I got out of school. You know, how it is when you're a dental student, um, you are a professional broke artist, right? <laughs> so you got four years of undergrad that, that prepped you, and then you have another four four years of dental school, and fast as your best friend. And you're out there just just living your best life on 21k a year, and that hasn't changed, by the way. It's still going on till this day. All right, uh, inflation be darned. Uh, they're still giving people 21k a year. Right. But uh, I'll talk about that later on. So, um, once you start working in private practice, uh, you get comfortable. I got comfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still always had the inclination. I said, hey, um, as soon as you get a year or two underneath your belt, just apply again. Nothing was guaranteed, but at least apply. Um, you did make some connections while you were at Pitt, um, dental, uh, and just kind of maintain those relationships and see, see where it takes you. So why, why I, a year or two? Like what made you say, okay, I'm going to do this for a year or two before I apply into, cause a lot of people want to go straight from dental school to residency, right? To so specialty. yes, yes, yes. So endo is one of those specialties whereby, um, they really value experience. Like it's it's actually if you look at most programs, it's very rare to see somebody fresh out of dental school uh, to just go right in. So they would tell you at the very least, get a year or two, whether it be GPR or just private practice, at least, right? It's like a bare minimum. Uh, if you try to come fresh out of school, I, they would just say, "Listen, we like you. Just get get a little experience because it's very um, endo is a specialty that is it's still dentistry." Right, so let's say you do perio or, or surgery, it's 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 surgery. If you do an ortho, it's ortho, right? Endo is still general dentistry. It's just a little more narrow, right? You're still using the handpiece for everything that you do. You still um, have to have a fundamental understanding of restorative and restorative procedures. Uh, so it, it's it's and you still have to know how to deal with patients from a treatment planning perspective. So having that background, and I think it's more so knowing just how to be with patients, right? In, in right. dental school, um, I mean, we don't see that many people in general uh, in terms of uh, as patients. And when you come out, you're, 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 still, you're still learning how to just present yourself, how to um, be a doctor, be a dentist, be a clinician, right? Mm-hmm. So that one, two years, you kind of get, you get that mojo. I'm going and you're not as rusty when it comes to um, speaking with your patients okay. uh, because endo itself is technically very challenging. Um, they don't want you to also have the, the awkwardness 
um, that comes from not having any patient interaction. So they don't want you to have too many learning curves at once. Right? Okay. Uh, okay. So it, it, it's, it's one of the main reasons why having just even just a year goes a long way. Okay. And also that one year kind of just makes you ready um, uh, in terms of being a little more a, of a professional, right? Uh, just one, two years out of dental school. Um, I mean, if, if you see 2000 patients a year, right? That's, that's, that's a lot of patient interactions, not including all of the hygiene checks that you're doing. Right. So, so, so you're having a lot of face-to-face. -face. Okay. You'd be surprised how polished you are after a year or two in terms okay. of how you present yourself and how you talk to patients and, 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 and how to kind of put the bigger um, pieces of the puzzle together. So that is why um, they recommend the, the one year, two years. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, just in, in terms of my, my co-residents, who were six years out, five years out, four years out, uh, my co-residents that came in after us, two of them were 10 years out, right? Mm -hmm. So it, they, they, it's, it's, they value um, um, experience. And I would imagine it makes it seem like uh, you're more invested in the residency if you're you know we graduated dental school with three or four root canals where yes. if you're out working for a while you've done a lot more you you're pretty much committed at that point if you want to go back to residency to knowing what endo is root canals yes. are and doing that day in day out uh yes. versus you know the, the limited experience you have as a dental student Yes, and which is which is absolutely on point. Um, like, any as soon as we leave dental school, let, let's be honest, we are we are we're safe, right? right. We're we're not we're not competent. We're just safe. <laughs> we can't. All right. Yeah. That's, we a, that's, know. A, that's a better way of saying it than I've been saying it. Yeah. All the best people are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're idiots until proven proven uh, intelligent. Right, right. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Right? So you, you come out of dental school and you know where the danger lies. Hey, okay, be careful of this, be careful of that, be careful of that. And then you just try to, uh, through experience, um, clinical, CE, what have you, mentorship, um, you just kind of become more acclimated towards the clinical procedures and you get better and better. It's a practice, right? The practice of dentistry. Right. Um, so, so having some reps um, outside of dental school uh, prepares you somewhat, uh, but also it, it allows you to be more polished. Like right now, so I came back six after six years of private practice experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but every now and then I'm doing consults in the undergraduate clinic and, and, and I hear how dental students are talking to patients and, um, and then you, you see yourself you're like, wow, that used to be me. And you can kind of see the growth, right. Uh, in terms of just whether it be confidence, uh, being able to communicate effectively, not using whether it be the wrong terms or the right terms or using jargon or non-jargon when needed. Um, not being timid. So there's a lot of elements of professionalism um, that like that first year that you gain, right? So that whether it be in GPRs or prior practice, one year out of dental school, you are miles away than you were 12 months prior to that. Okay. So I think that from, from, from a lot of the um, directors, that's, that's what they enjoy. Whether you know how to do an endo or not, uh, even if I'll be honest, like 
all the work that I did as a GP, right? I kind of cringe at it now. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're truth. like, Ooh. no, no, I love the honesty. Yeah, like, That's the truth. Yeah, That's the yeah, truth. yeah. Well, because yeah, you don't know what you don't know, right? right. Uh, and um, you, you're very confident in in what you do know, and you practice. And as long as nothing becomes a catastrophic event, uh, you feel pretty good about yourself, right? right? So, but once you come back to a special specialty, and it doesn't matter what specialty it is, and you understand the knowledge base behind it, and, and how things are seen, thought of, and done at a specialist level, you're like, oh, <laughs> I, uh, I really hope geographical success is a true thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I bet you, you can even agree with this. It's more of the more knowledge, the more experience equals you being able to actually critique your previous work and go, yes. wow, that could, I could have done way better. So it doesn't necessarily, to me, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, you as, as a specialist, but you with experience and education. Yes. And, and I say that to everybody. I'm like, I don't care uh, if you're a specialist or not. It's all that experience and education that allows you to really sit down critically and then analyze your work and go, whew, because I've actually done that. Like you said, yeah. right? you go back when I was uh, working a year and I go back and I think, man, why the heck did I do a lot of stuff like this? <laughs> no, it's the truth. Like you just sit there and start to like, oh, Jesus Christ, I wish I could go back and just apologize <laughs> yep. to some patients. Yep. 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 You know, yep. it's not the best work you could do. And heck, maybe three years ago, I'm looking back and going, I wish I could still apologize to somebody. Yes. And I yes. see those patients and I'm like, oh man, that I could have been so much better. You yes. know what I mean? So, so being critical of your work especially as you grow is the, I think the most, the most important thing, you know, um, Absolutely. let me ask you. So tell us for six years, you were working as a general dentist. Tell us the different, were you in the same practice? Were you in different practices and what swayed you to finally say, yep, I'm going to endo because that's so, six years. Yes. So, all right. So how it became six years is all right. So a year or two later, I started dating my, my wife. Then I got married. It's all right. Well, I can't get. I can't. I gotta save some money for a wedding. Okay. Then, all right. Now you get you get married, and then all right. Then she gets pregnant. I, I gotta save some money for a kid. And now, not but before you know, you're like you're like five years into it. Like man, listen, time flies pretty quick. You know that one two years became five, and then you're you're at a crossroads where you're married, you have a wife, you have a child, and you gotta make some long term decisions. Right. So right. once you're like five, six years out, you can't just be an associate forever. So either you, you take the plunge if you are um, inclined to, 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 to buy a practice mm -hmm. or join a group and buy some equity, having some type of a long term stake, right. or else you're just going to be floating around. Uh, or you, you got to figure something out, right? Because at that point, you're buying a house, you're getting a mortgage, you're buying like something is going to happen that becomes definitive. Um, and I was at that point where I, 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 I always wanted to go back to, uh, to endo. Um, but I like being a general dentist. I uh, like, I like you. I, I didn't mind dentures. I actually enjoyed dentures. It's just certain denture patients that, 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 that I find challenging. <laughs> 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 but, but the actual procedure, like I, I like the impressions. I like, right. yeah, you, you give them a whole set of teeth and they're smiling and it, it, it's a lot of times they're very, very grateful. Right. Um, it's just when you have Mrs. Smith that comes back for a 17th adjustment is when you're pulling your hair and you tell Mrs. Smith, I'm telling you, uh, look, you hear me? How about now? Is that better? 
yeah, it's better she comes back next week and you know the same old thing. So you see, it's true. Uh, I had I had an afro before Mrs. Smith. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I had a pro before Mrs. Smith. <laughs> I'm telling you, and nine nine times out of ten, Mrs. Smith just wants to just talk. That's like it. She, she, she wants to come in, and this is part. It's a good excuse to get out of the house, and she, she likes you. She, you know what I mean? And she might see your hairline receding, and she goes, "You know what? It's not because of me. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's no. just getting old, right? <laughs> it, was, it was you. It was you. Uh, you, you know what I mean? So, so but right. I, I, I enjoyed, and I still do. I enjoy dentistry, right? But I enjoy endo more, right? And I've always liked it more, and I found that. I was getting frustrated doing endo as a GP when you had a busy schedule and you got at least two hygiene columns and they, every so often they tap it on your shoulder for hygiene check-in. You got another chair, crown prep going on and you got, and you're stuck in an endo and you're having a hard time negotiating canal. You're like, I just, I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want to be bothered. You know? So I, I said, listen, you know, this is what you like. You know, this is what you want to do. You're at a point in your life where you got to make a, a, a real decision. It wasn't like, hey, man, I, I hate that industry. I can't, can't, I don't want, some people, uh, let's be honest, some people, they don't like being a general dentist. They don't right. enjoy uh, having to master so many different clinical right. procedures, like a, the whole jack of all trade stuff. Right. And like for them going to work, it's a little more tedious or more hassle. I, I loved it. Right. You called like, them, uh, them orthodontists. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, so that was that was never my motivation. You know, right. it's just I, and I remember calling like, and this 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 was a a non panic call. This was a non clinical call. Hey, right. what do I do about this case? I said, listen, well, man, I'm 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 about four or five years out, uh, and um, I'm thinking about going back to endo. Uh, but I don't know if, if I should do it. I'm kind of invested. I got all this going on in my life. You know, I married, got a kid. And I, I mean, I can buy this practice, and this uh, kind of helped me um, just sort through my thoughts. And you know, being the the gracious uh, big brother you are, you spent a lot of hours. We were talking about it. But there was one one phrase that really, really just kind of hit it home. And it's like, listen, like, listen, bro. Ultimately. You don't want to live a life of regret. Right. You know what I mean? So if there's something that you want to do and you really want to do it, just at least what, try it. Go for it, right? Because uh, there's no guarantee that you're going to get in just because you want to specialize. You know what I mean? So try. If you get in, at that point, you have an option. And if you walk away from it, it's not going to be like a regret. It's like, all right, it's not. Like, it would have been a regret if I just, ah, nah, I'm not going to do it. And in the back of my mind, should I have done it? You know, and should I have taken a step forward? So I, I did not want to live a life of regret. You know what I mean? Um, and that is what resonated the most. I already had inclination. I already kind of did some groundwork when I was in dental school. And it just so happened that most of our faculty were still there. So when I reached out, um, Dr. Ray, shout out Dr. Ray. That's a man's man. That is a phenomenal director. I mean, I'm, this guy, love him to death. Uh, he's just one of the greatest, greatest people. I got. I know he's my kind of guy. You know yeah. what I mean? So I'm, I was fortunate that he was still there. Yeah. Dr. Charlotte was still there. Yes. Uh, just a lot of our clinical faculty, they were still there. So when I came back to the, and I said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm not thinking, I would like to 
uh, become a resident. Like, great, man. That's, that's good. How you been? Put that aside. How you been? Well, what you been up to the last five, six years? You know what? Uh, 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 I got married. Oh, let's see. So now, like, it became, hey, how you been, man? What's going mm-hmm. on? Of course, we remember you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, which is, which is for, for the, um, for the listeners that are in dental school, don't, don't pass up on the opportunity of taking advantage of your home court, right? Mm-hmm. So while you're in dental school, it's kind of naive to say, I want to be X, Y, and Z because it's, it's, you haven't had any experience. But if you think you may like to do something while you're in dental school, take the time to get to know the people in the department. So if you if you're thinking, hey man, I love working with kids. I want to be a pediatric dentist. Mm-hmm. And if, and by the time you get to second year, third year, spend some time in pedo. Remember, spend a lot of time in pedo. Mm-hmm. Talk with and the thing is, it's all about being humble. Say, hey, go to director. Don't be shy. I think a lot of people are, are we are so intimidated by the various um, residency directors, right? And we we forget they 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 are there to teach. Like they are happy to teach. Right. As a matter of fact. Any teacher is very excited to teach a student that's willing to learn, mm-hmm. right? People hate teaching people that don't want to learn, right? So when you see somebody in clinic and they just kind of, they just, I just want to get the, the check mark. I just want to get this right. signed up. I just want to get the grade. Nobody wants to teach you. Nobody <laughs> no one wants to help you, right? Right, right, But, right. Right? but if, if you're motivated to learn and like, of course, it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter what field, like your excitement to learn from, from somebody in a position of, of knowledge, that relationship is always going to be uh, fruitful, right? So you want to be a pediatric dentist. By the time you get to the second year, you think you want to be a PA, right? You're not sure because you haven't done anything. Spend some time in pedo. Say, hey, uh, doctor, so and so. Um, I'm my second year, going my third year. That's kind of where the trans- transition starts. Third year, fourth year. Thinking about doing this. Um, and be humble. Hey, uh, I I don't have any experience, but I kind of I I think there's something that I would be that I would that I would thrive in, that I would, that I would enjoy, right? Any advice, any advice for somebody in, in my position, a second year or third year student that wants to become a, a, a periodontist, a, a periodontist, a orthodontist, whatever, right? And they'll tell you, oh, you know, what, uh, I appreciate your, 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 uh, your, your, um, your inquiry, you know what I mean? This is what I would do. And they might tell you, hey, spend some time with some research projects, um, do X, Y, and Z, but inevitably they will always say, spend some time in the clinic. Right. Hang around in the clinic, spend some time with the residents. And the reason why that is, is every residency program is very intimate. Like it's really two or three or four or maybe maximum five people a year. Right. And often just two or three, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very intimate program. And yes, grades matter and all that stuff matters, but really it's, do they like you as a person? Right? Because they're going to spend... Kyle, you remember, like Dr. Okay. Sullivan, you know what I'm saying? You guys both went to the VA, yeah. like GBR. Yeah. It's like three people, right? Yeah. Super. So you go from a class of 80 or 100 or whatever to a class of three. Right. You know? yep. So now it's very, very intimate. So people really, really want to know, am I going to enjoy the next year or two or three with this individual <laughs> in this very intimate setting? Yeah. Right? And are, are they going to cause a lot of headaches? Oh, they're going to cause a lot of headaches. Yeah. Right. And a lot of directors, like, they don't know you based upon your application. But if you spent a lot of time in the program, and now they have some idea of 
who you are, how you would fit, what your persona is. And that, in my honest opinion, is, is gold. Like that's, yeah. if you were to ask me, hey, I'm in dental school, what's the biggest thing I can do to, to specialize? Spend, spend genuine time with the residency program. Yeah, right? You know, and, go ahead. no, I was gonna say, you know, it's actually, it's funny you bring that up because um, David Hay, and shout out to uh, Dr. Hay, he was, uh, when I was a first year, he was, I think, a fourth year. He, he took time out of his schedule. He was at Temple, and I'm mm -hmm. at Pitt. Took mm -hmm. time, took a week off of Temple, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. fourth year, you're about to be finished. Took yeah. a week off, came. I think it was like holiday time, whatever. Came to visit because he, he had family in Pittsburgh. So he yeah. wanted to go into Pittsburgh program. Yeah. Took yeah. a week to shadow us. I mean, oh, did he do anything? Not really, but it was the mm -hmm. fact that he came and shadowed, yes. showed a lot of like proactive behavior, right? And that's what yes, we want. Yes. Like, oh man, this guy's really coming to us, showing us a lot of proactive behavior. That's what we want yes. to see, you know? Yes. And so that yes. was key. And yes. so, so you don't have to necessarily have your home court and just stay there. You could always say, hey, listen, my got family here. Let me yes. go to that school and see what's yes. going on there. Yeah, exactly. So, so for those that aren't in dental school, or those that want to go to a different program, that's that's the route to take. It's like same thing. There's the super cool guy, super cool dude from the Navy. Stopped by our program last year. He's a resident this year. You know yeah. what I mean? I, and he was out like five, six years. He was in the Navy. You know what I mean? Family man, all that good stuff. I stopped by the program and just kind of spent it. I think it's just one day. That's all. It is. Right. But that one day, you're like, yo, this is a cool dude. This, this, is, this is a cool, solid guy. You know what I mean? And it's just people just want to kind of see who you are. Because ultimately, I mean, anybody in dental school, for the most part, right? Everybody's super academically talented. You know what I mean? Everybody's is smart, you know what I mean? Quote, unquote. Everybody's just... Right. So, so it's like, all right, well, are we going to fit? Right? Are you going to be a good fit? You know what I mean? And it, can I, can and you I may not be a good for fit. A minute, Chirwa. Yes, sir. So, so you mentioned you got married, you had a kid. So it's not, yes. you decided you wanted to do this, but it's not, you're not just affecting your life anymore because you yes. have a, a wife and a kid. How did that yes. conversation go with your wife? Because going from being married to a private practice dentist to yes. being married to a resident, yes. Yes. that's, yes. A, that's yes. a big change in lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> you become broke again. Yes. <laughs> you can and, say that you become broke yes. again. And and what a phenomenal question! Like that is re so th that's a real life question. All right, I have this inclination. I've been out X amount of years, right? It's different than when you, if you're a solo guy, single girl, whatever. You know what I mean? I can tell you for a fact. If you are a family man, family woman, this will not work without the support and approval of your spouse right point blank like so i'm not here to um paint a rosy picture of the process um this is definitely a sacrifice and probably more so on them than you right because you are the one that's pursuing your quote-unquote dream or your ambition and, and and they have to really put their lives on hold and and make some serious adjustments. Now, if you were to ask me, okay, what was the biggest? So, so to answer your question, absolutely, you can't you can't do this without 
um, the support of your spouse. And thank God, you know, I'm, I'm married to my better half. She, she's super, super supportive. And we had the conversation. I listen, um, this is something I want to do. And you expl- I explained it to her. And, and, she, and she's not a dentist, by the way. I was like, this is this is something I always wanted to do. And she was listen, if you want to do it, go for it. I mean, whatever we got to do, it's just a couple of years. We'll, we'll tie in our belts and uh, we'll just make it work. You know what I mean? It is very, very challenging to go from being a private practice full-time clinician, earning an income, a, 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 a income which you can support yourself and your family with, to being broke. Like that transition slapped me in my face. And I, I said, like, I spoke with lots. I said, how much more do I need to save up? And then you calculated it and uh, I, what, what are your monthly expenses going to be? And it's going to be X amount. Okay, well then times that by 12 or 24, whatever. And have that, it, it didn't matter. I had money saved up, man. I blew through it. Like, I'm talking about... <laughs> when you want to have income coming in, you'd be surprised how quickly you spend it. And also your spending habits, they don't just change overnight. Like so like I like it's it's it was the the most difficult part of this whole process was the, getting acclimated to my new financial reality. Right. And doing that in conjunction with a wife a son and a daughter on the way right so but after like july 1st the program november 1st i had my daughter you know what i mean so like all this like a lot was going on a lot and and life is expensive man you know what i mean and fafsa still giving you 21k they still don't yeah, 21K, man. FAFSA ain't changing nothing. Nope. So, yeah, like, I'm like, I got a wife and kids. Like, yeah, we'll give you an additional 2K per child. All right, per month? Not for the whole year. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, all right, well, let me carry that one divided by, you know what I mean? So, right. it, it, it's, it's, that was such a great question, Cal. That is, like, the academics, everybody is, is, an, uh, is, is, is didactically capable of any specialty. The clinical stuff, you'll pick it up by repetition. So, and so that's not, it's not easy, but that's not the hard part. It's that stuff that we've done before and you can do again. The challenge was going from making X amount to literally making zero yeah. and, and, and all that entails. And like I said, it, it took it took me about six months to really like change my spending habits. And this is, this is like by force, mind you, because <laughs> Because you, you, you're coming in confidence, right? You got some nice little savings. You get your little student loan. And then, <laughs> goodness gracious. Like right now, people people talk about Jeff Bezos. I hate Amazon. I hate Amazon with a passion. That son of a gun is taking all of our money. You know what I mean? Listen, listen. Despite residency oh, or, or, or working yeah. in private practice or working in general, no matter yeah. how much money you have, listen. If you have a significant other, you hate Amazon. I, 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 I oh, see man. more. I see more Amazon packages than I see my kids. Like, <laughs> like there's every day. There's an Amazon package every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And and every time the response is, "Well, we need that. Well, we need oh, that." I'm like Bezos. I'm glad that I I, I took you to space because right <laughs> now. That's all. I, that's all I got. That came I'm out of Amazon. You, man. So oh man! Oh man! Oh man! And by the way, Amazon. I'm. I'm. It's not slander. I no way. Service. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. I'm just saying. 
goodness great it is easy to spend money on amazon without knowing it and while you're working and making an income it's all good but man that that I'm so, like stuff like that you're like you, you gotta change you, you go into chipotle for lunch you better get water yeah. <laughs> Don't add that water. water. Right. Don't, <laughs> maybe on a Friday, you know what I mean? Friday, you pick up some guac and some chips. It was like so many, I, I just, like, we had two cars, I had to get rid of one. Um, it's just, just, I mean, it's just spending. And then yeah. getting your, your, your wife on board or your husband on board. Yes. And you're seeing eye to eye, which is why, like, I mean, they're making a big sacrifice because for them it's like, I mean, this is, hey, man, I didn't marry you when you were broke. I didn't marry you for your money, but I, I didn't marry you when you were broke. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it, it's not that I'm saying that I married you for money, but uh, this, this is a big change of, right. of my lifestyle, yeah. right? Like, yes. so like, and, 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 and which is, which, and I guess. Well, like I mean, it, and, it, and, and you want to, you know, I, and I understand this, uh, you want the best for your kids. Most of the time yes. we work for, for our kids or, or family yes. members or whatever, you know what I mean? Yes. Like you want to make yes. sure that you're doing what you possibly can. So you sacrifice pretty much all yes. your twenties, right? Yes. So that your thirties, you don't have to sacrifice. And then when you go to yes. residency, you're like, man, I'm still sacrificing. You're still when, sacrificing. when is this, this going to end? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you yeah. Know? And then if you open yeah. a practice, yeah. that's even worse. You're like even, going into your 40 sacrifice. Uh, I'm <laughs> telling you, man. That, that's why I always, a lot of these dogs, when they're 60 years old, by the time they get late 50s, they get their mojo. Yeah. Now they live in their bed. I'm like, hey, I, I, I get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, but back to what Cal was saying is that is that there's there's, there's a lot of, like, that can cause tension. You yeah. know what I mean? And and it's it's if, if you guys aren't on board together, right? Like, it's you're, you're busy enough with, with the program as is, but it's, if your spouse is supportive, this becomes a very, very, very um, joyful process, right? But I could see so many ways how this could become an an unnecessary burden on you and on 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 your family if you guys aren't on the same page, you know. Yeah. So it's really if if you're single, this doesn't doesn't apply to you and it doesn't matter. But what, what if you're married? Like really sit down and talk with your husband, talk with your wife. So listen, man, this is what's going on. And these are the sacrifices we got. Because before, and listen, I'm, I'm, for the next two years or three years, I'm not going to be able to support um, you financially or our children. Or, so it's, it's and this is the income that we have, and this is our budget, and we have to work within it so that by the time we've done this program, we, 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 we're able to sort of sustain um, just just our necessities, you know what I mean? And and like I said, man, it's it's really shout out to my wife. It's it's really um it's it's a team effort. It's right. really a team effort, you know what right. I mean? Let me ask you a question. So you you go through residency, right? Mm -hmm. And you can even break down residency if you want to do that. But I wanna, you know, so when I was a perio resident, I remember, you know, the 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 director and, and our faculty would take us out to like dinners and stuff, you know. And I'm like, man, they're living a good life. Like that's yeah. I can't wait. You know, I can't this is this is what perio looks like. I can't wait. Yeah. And yeah. then you get out and you're like, what, what happened to those dinners and stuff? You know, like you, <laughs> you start to you start to really see how the world has changed, how dentistry yeah. has changed, right? Yeah. Because yeah. for me, I thought I was going to go into private practice, work with somebody, you know, who had her own practice and maybe buy them out and then transition that way. But I'm, yeah. I decided to end up going a different route because yeah. I felt like in Texas, those were the only routes that were available. 
So, so talk to us and let us know what you, you, you know about endo and, and you know, how successful are endodontists, especially now that a lot of general dentists really focus on implant dentistry. Mm -hmm. I know I asked excellent. a few questions there. No, it's an excellent question. So the, um, I'll, I'll address the first part in terms of what my expectations were going in and what my expectations became going out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, for me, they were pretty much the same because I spent a lot of time talking with people in the field, right? Um, and specifically with an endo, I spoke with, uh, uh Gary Dennis a lot, mm -hmm. kind of got his perspective, uh, and spoke with some other docs and, um, dentistry is dentistry. So whatever stress that you had as a general dentist, you have the same as an endodontist, as a periodontist, as a periodontist, it's, you still dealing with people, right? And you're dealing with them and all the anxieties and all the fears and nothing changes from that perspective, right? Um, whether you do one procedure versus the other, that'll change, but your your day-to-day -day, um, is the same, right? It's just you're doing things um, more in a, in a narrow space, right? So instead of doing 20 procedures, you might be doing five, six. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the the way endo is being practiced in, in, in the light of implants, um, and people, like, I remember talking with some some removable faculty in dental school, and they would say, oh, removable dentures are, are gone, and you're never ever going to do them. It, it doesn't change, right? 30 years later, people are still doing removable, right? Um, implants are a fantastic treatment option, uh, and there is an absolute um, need for it. And there's times where you, that's all you can do. But there's times where it's not necessary as a first line treatment, right? As your first modality, right? And and a lot of times that's where endo comes in into play, right? It's the realm of saving teeth. But some teeth can't be saved. So if they can't be saved, what are your options? Implant and prosthesis or a fixed unit bridge or removable, right? So for me, the, it, it's 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 never been about one versus the other. It just depends on what is your situation. Like, I'll give you an example. I mean, I, I was dentist for six years. A patient walks in, got a big old blown decay, carries close to the alveolar crest, right? The whole tooth is broken down. So before implants, you'd say, oh, let's get some prolongation done and let's do some endo and let's do a core buildup and let's do a crown. All right, well, you do all that stuff and how long is that particular tooth gonna last, right? If you don't feel confident, um, that's gonna last a long time and you having the patient spend all that time, effort and money, is that the best treatment option? So if, if the restorable, if the restorative prognosis is poor, then don't do an endo. If the restorative prognosis is good, do an endo. Don't pull teeth that don't need to be pulled, and don't root canal teeth that need to be pulled. Right. So, like to me, they they complement each other, and I, I think a good dentist knows when which treatment plan is appropriate. Right. So, so the advantage uh, endo has right now is it's covered by insurance hmm. and people live and die by their insurance, right? We, you, we all know this working as a general dentist or whoever. Yeah. 
it, you know, the first thing they ask is, does my insurance cover this? Tell me if I'm yeah. wrong, right? That's the first thing they say, does my yeah. insurance cover it? Yeah, so right, right now the advantage Endo has over implants is it's covered by insurance. So now fast forward, if implants are covered by insurance, what do you guys think will be the likelihood that somebody will say, keep that tooth or take it out and place an implant? It, it depends on, on, on the dentist, right? So if, if I'm, right, so let me put on my, my general dentist hat. You come into my office and let's say it's, it's a single tooth, right? And I'm debating, should this be an, an, an implant case or should it be a, an endo crown case, right? My mantra is very simple. Is, is this tooth restorable, right? And um, is it in function? Because there's times a simple extraction might do. If, if, if you're missing tooth number 15, right, and we're talking about your opposing tooth, right, uh, tooth number 18, right, and that tooth has a big old blown decay and, it, and it's able to be restored, if you're not going to do anything about the missing 15, do you need to restore 18, right? So you have to, let's be honest, right? Spend $4,000, well, for what? If, if you if you don't have the opposing dentition, so it's treatment planning. All right. So let's say this tooth is in function and it's restorable. If it's function in function, it's restorable. Why would you extract it? See, that that that's. I mean, you have to know how to treatment plan. You have to know how to. That's why I said being an endodontist, you're still a dentist. Like I'm. This is still dentistry. Well, it's but still you fundamental know, dentistry. Right. But right. You know, endo is not sexy. Right. It's, it's great. And I know, yeah. honestly, as an end, as a periodontist, I send a lot to my, uh, to, to, you know, Gary, cause I work with Gary, uh, to, to endo. And I'm like, Hey, you might want to keep this tooth. Right. Yeah. But it's not sexy. Right. We go on these little high, you know, we go on these little track where sleep apnea may be the big, you know, sexy thing for this, this, this yeah. you know, year. And then it might be implants and it might be yeah. this. And remember at one time it was, everybody gets a veneer, you yeah. know, it, it, yeah. you know, it's endo is not sexy. So, so most people follow what's sexy because they're like, Oh, this is what's going to make me the fastest amount of money and, and this and this and that. So how do you go about combating that? And, and Kyle, please, like you, you're, you're in the thick of things. You are a general dentist who you have your own practice you know, uh, you know, both sides, like, what are you seeing? What are you hearing when it comes to implants and endo? So we, we all went through the VA, um, uh, right. sure rotated through there. I assume right. they still right. do that. Um, yes. so Dr. Sullivan was somebody that really taught that whole, uh, look at the whole picture when you treatment plan, if it's a 25 year old person with a, you know, that needs a root canal one number 19, you have to think what's going to last the longest because nothing is a hundred percent. You can put an implant in it, you know, there's a real high success rate with it, but it might not be in there for their lifetime. In fact, we shouldn't be telling people it's going to be in there for your lifetime. So if I do a root canal and crown on a 25 year old, that should buy me at least 15 years. In 15 years, if something breaks, if something fails, then I always have the option to take that tooth out and put an implant in. If I yeah. go straight to, let's take this tooth out, we'll get an implant because it's the sexy thing to do, or you know, I'm going to make more money doing it that way. What happens in 15 years or 20 years? 
that this person's now, you know, 40 years old and they might have bone loss around an implant, they might not have another option at that point versus a, a bigger, more invasive surgery. Uh, so that's where that bigger treatment plan uh, overview comes into play. And I, I honestly think endo is sexy. That's one of my favorite procedures <laughs> because my favorite patient walking in the door and my easiest patient to say yes to treatment is somebody that says, I have a broken tooth. I have a toothache. You know, can you fix this? I said, yeah, you need a root canal and crown. Great. Let's do it right now. And because okay. they want to get out of pain. Okay. It's some of my hardest people to say yes to are you've been missing this tooth for, you know, a couple of years. Your, your teeth are starting to collapse into the area. You're starting to lose bone. You might want to consider an implant to prevent all this from happening. Well, nothing's hurting. Nothing's bothering me. That's, you know, $2,500 or, or more. Why would I want to do that? So I, I like, I think endo is sexy because I can give you an immediate result and get you out of pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and to, to add to what Cal was saying, and, and, and I think that's the concept that needs to be hammered home is try to create a, try to extend your toolkits, right? Extend your options for your patient's lifespan. Okay. Right. So I can even bring this back to just the non-sexy endo. And I'm with Cal. I think endo is pretty sexy. You seen the curves? Well, well, you're you're by, you're Have you you're seen by. the curves on those molar man? <laughs> Goodness gracious! As, um, I don't know. I like curves. I don't know about you, out there. my man. <laughs> I don't even think we're talking about endo anymore, but that's all. <laughs> but, 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 but even, even there's like, I don't know if you guys are familiar. Have you guys um, been familiar with um, uh, vital pulp therapy? Yes. Okay. So that is the hot topic right now in, in endo, right? And it's, it's being able to treat teeth that we would traditionally treat with food canal, full blown up pulpectomies, root canal therapies with um, a pulpotomy and some type of a bioceramic, right? And the whole concept is alluding to what Kyle was talking about, extending the treatment span, the lifespan of that too, right? And is it only so limited that, to kids? That's something that I, no, you know, okay. No, no. Right. So that, that, that's, that is the hottest. Um, and the AE just released a, um, a, a new guideline on this. This is where a lot of the research today is being done. One of the areas. Um, is it's that you can have a patient, an adult, walk in with a toothache, irreversible pulpitis, big old decay into the pulp, right? And as long as the tooth is vital, you get in there, remove the caries, and then you amputate the pulp. The pulp. So pretty much you remove all the, the, the pulp, um, uh, all the pulp tissue in the cha chamber, right? And then use some type of cotton pellet, maybe dipped in uh, sort of hypochlorite, get some hemostasis, right? Always able to get hemostasis within a few minutes. That tooth right there, you can just put some type of biceramic, right? Whether it be an MTA or any type of um, calcium silicate product in there and then restore it. So now you have a tooth that we would previously restore with a full-blown root canal therapy that we have now done a, a pulpotomy on, an, 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 an adult tooth, vital pulp therapy. And you can restore that tooth. And then down the line, let's say five, 10 years, a problem happens. Well, now you can do a root count on this too. 
right? So you, you've extended it. And then another 20 years, the tooth gets fractured. Now you can do an implant. So, right? you, kept so the, you kept the tooth vital yeah, for longer vital. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yes. And, 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 and you're, you're employing, you're extending the treatment options for that tooth um, throughout the, the patient's life cycle. Awesome. Right? So awesome. this patient, Cal was saying, was 25 years old. Well, if we did an implant on them when they're 25, uh, chances are how, how, how likely that implant to be there when they're 50, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know uh, better than anybody else that the literature on pre-implantitis and so on and so forth. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's the whole idea is what can we do? Because we have a patient population that's just living longer, right? Retaining their teeth more. Uh, and, and we need to have tools in place so we can address our patients from when they're young to when they're old, right? right. So a lot of it is, is treatment plan, right? But yeah. if you ask, if you were to ask me, if, if I go put my general dentist hat on, if I get a patient uh, in my chair, if the tooth is in function and it's restorable, endocrine. If it's in function and it's a poor restorative prognosis, get the bad boy out of there. And not talk about implant crown, bridge, um, or nothing, or removal. But talk about, there's no need to be a hero anymore, right? Because you have the implants there as a viable, solid treatment option, right? So if, if you got decay all the way down to the bone, perfect example, tooth number nine, big old decay into the bone. Why would you want to do a crown elongation tooth number nine and, and affect the, 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 the ability to maintain the gingival contour if they need an implant in the future? Right. Right. So, so I mean, why, why? So like you have to, and that's what I'm saying to be a good general dentist is very hard. Yeah. Like it's, it's very hard to be a good general dentist. Like it takes a lot of investment, right? You got to spend a lot of time reading. I'm talking about C courses. Like you get, you got to be invested. Right. And, and if you're not, then all right, you're going to say, you're just going to look at the dollar amount or what you think is the best based upon what your reps are telling you. And which I always find, how are you taking advice from a rep? And I'm not here to- Oh boy. The <laughs> <laughs> how are you taking you're, about to, you're, about to, you're about to get into a whole other- We won't do that. We won't do that. We'll all come right, back. All right, all right. Yeah, we'll we come back to another episode right, that says, right, why would you take you. advice from a rep? You know, that'd be another, <laughs> that'd be another why episode. Why would you take clinical advice from yes. a non-clinician? That's what I'm saying. But that's the right. first thing a lot of people call. They call their rep and say, "I have, a, yeah. I have a problem," you know. And, and the reps are great. Like I'm, yeah. not, I'm not because oh, we all work with them. We all need their help. They're, but they're on. They I know mean, their products well. Yes. But why would you take clinical advice? Yes. From a non-clinician, right? Who's yeah. not even a doctor. Who's not even a like. Right. And it's it's it's. It just you know, and, and you know the funny thing. I've talked to reps, and they're uh -huh. uncomfortable in that situation. They're like, "I, I should not be telling you clinically <laughs> how to do this." That should not. 100%. I've literally talked to multiple reps, and they're like, "I don't yeah. know why they keep calling us." Yeah, I mean, I yeah. know my product, and I can help you and get you to yes. write tools and instruments. Yes, but I should yes. not be telling you what to do clinically. You know, yeah, absolutely. Dentists, shout out to the reps. It's yeah, phenomenal. shout out to the like, dentists. Yeah. You put you put reps in a very uncomfortable situation. Let, let's not not just dentists. In the in the operating room at the uh, at some of the hospitals, oh yes, MDs. It, yes. It's MDs too with the you know yeah. joint replacement reps, and it's just it's okay. all reps, all medicine. No, they scrub up. Oh, wow. They definitely wow. scrub up. I know that. But okay, wow. let's wow. let's 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 wrap this up, right? 
Give me one advice you would give somebody who was in your situation as a general dentist thinking about specializing. Give me like a, a summary of, 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 of one great advice you would give them. You know, you're the big bro now. What's the, what is the best advice you can give them that, you know, transitioning into possibly going to specialty? If you are inclined, right, to specialize, just do it. Come what may, try it. If you're inclined, if you're talking about, hey, I don't like general dentistry, uh, I think I might like being a specialist better. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but that, that motivation might not be the best because I think you, you're going to have the same problems that you have with general dentistry. Yes. As a specialist. yes. But, if, but, so, but if, you, if you're saying, hey, man, I, I really like this part of dentistry and I'm thinking about specializing uh, and I'm in dental school or I'm outside of dental school, if you have that inclination, just go for it, man. There's, there's no point living a life of regret. You know what I mean? And, and not saying that you're not going to be happy as a dental dentist, but you may be the best dental dentist with a regret. And life is not worth having regrets. Right? Like if, 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 if one thing I know just sound like a night commercial, but honestly, just, just, just go for it. Right? Just do it. Don't think too much about it. Um, if you have a spouse, See if they're on board. If they're on board, and a lot of times, if they love you, they, they are on board. The sacrifice—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, it's a short-term sacrifice, and hopefully, your joy and your excitement means a lot to your significant other. That they will be there for you, and while they're there for you, remember that you got to be for them as well. So don't don't expect them to put the switch as quickly as you do. You know what I mean? Uh, they have to transition uh, as well. Uh, and ultimately, if you are inclined. It's worth it. You might just make sure you're not doing it because you don't like your current day-to-day. You know, like all people say, oh, I don't like, like, oh, I hate corporate dentistry. Well, then don't do corporate dentistry, right? <laughs> oh, uh, I hate ownership. Well, then don't own. Like, 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 like uh, I just finished my program now and uh, I'm going to go in private practice and I'm going to have this, I'm, I'm dealing with patients. The good ones, the bad ones. I'm managing expectations. Um, I'm, I'm dealing with insurances. Um, I'm, I'm, I, and I have to manage, come what may, uh, in, in, in the clinical chair, just as I used to as a general dentist. So it's, it's, if you're inclined, just go for it. Well said. Sure. I, we would love to have you back on because I got a lot of other questions for you, but I'm not going to say Walter and I are cheap. I'm going to say we're frugal and we're limited to an hour. Okay. <laughs> we just got a notification that we're close to our hour, but uh, because we don't want to pay for anything. I would love to have, or we would both love to have you back on and right. ask you more questions. Right. And honestly, you know, I think this is like a two part kind of episode because then we can dive into what endo looks like going forward right because sure. endo is changing just like any specialty is changing oh, right oh, and yeah. and oh, what's yeah. the hot topics and if somebody is a general dentist that loves endo but doesn't want to go to residency you know what are yeah. some of the things that they could do to better yeah. their skill level right those yeah. are all things yeah. that we could talk about absolutely. we could talk about absolutely. implants and how endodontists are placing implants right that's yeah. another thing that you know is happening yeah. absolutely. you know uh, yeah. and if that's what you were trained or what i don't know right but those are the kind of questions that i want to talk about later so yeah uh, and that's know. a very good question it's a good topic to talk about. right very so we'll, we'll transition yeah. that and this is a teaser i like to do that nowadays uh, <laughs> i'm getting better at this podcast stuff, right but uh, we will definitely uh talk to you very soon well said as always
Uh, you know, we all, we, you know, again, sure was, we both known you very well for a very long time. Appreciate so we definitely appreciate you coming on, uh, right. go enjoy your weekend, go enjoy your time. And you gotta come back, man. You gotta come back. I, I will, I will. Cal, Bedford's finest. No, I mean, yes. See you brother. And, uh, well, thank you for everything. And My I'll, man. I'll, I'll, I'll be an honor to be back. We'll talk. Uh, All right. Enjoy. Right. Yeah, take All care. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.